Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Michelle A. Berard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I am super, super happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now you guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Now, we had an encore performance on January 18th of an interview that I had in 2018 with chiropractor and yoga instructor, Dr. Kiva Davis. We talked health and wellness, and in this new year, it's time for us to have a new us. New year, new you. I hope the discussion with Dr. Kiva inspired all of us to take action on our health. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the January 18th, 2019 show, at our new URL, thesomewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. I want to shout out Bruce George of the Geniuses Common Movement, too, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is such an important message, especially for the youth. But remember, guys, it's not just for the youth. All of us need to remember that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still thinking about making changes in my life in the new year. And I know a lot of us are thinking about relationships, especially with Valentine's Day approaching. So I'm excited to introduce tonight's guest, Hiroko Itaguchi. Hiroku is a certified professional coach who specializes in working with professional single women to find a healthy and loving relationship with the right partner. She worked in IT for 14 years, and she's used to looking at and solving problems systematically. And she's figured out that there are five areas where the challenges lie. She considers these to be five checkpoints. Why, or the vision, the old pattern, the mind, action, and the new pattern. It's called the woman method. This method helps single women to shape a new vision for partnership, break old patterns, shift their mindsets, be in action, and build new patterns to create the committed relationship of their dreams. 
Hiroko left the corporate job so she could dedicate her life to coaching other women like her, women who confidently navigate their careers but stumble when it comes to relationships. After all, she understands what they go through in dating because she used to be one of them. Today, Hiroku is happily married and living in New York City. So I'd like to welcome Hiroko Itaguchi to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Welcome, Hiroko. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. How are you, Michelle? I'm really good. Thank you. Very good. I'm really delighted to have you on the show. Thank you. Know, you. We met a few weeks ago, and I found what you do fascinating, and I'd love to share it with my audience. So I may have mentioned to you the way that I start out my interviews is I ask two questions, and I ask these questions because I believe they lead directly into what you're doing. So are you ready for my questions? Sure. Okay. Hiroko. Who are you, and how did you become who you are today? <laughs> wow, that's, this is really philosophical. Do I have to answer in a philosophical way? <laughs> it's all up to you. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Um, I'm Hiroko. I was born and raised in Japan. I came to the United States about 23 years ago. Um, What else can I say? Oh, and let's say, no, what do you want to know? <laughs> well, the, I want to know who you are and what shaped you into becoming who you are today. All right. What, what, what influences did you have in your life? Sure. Okay. So like I said, I was born and raised in Japan. I'm totally from different culture, different country. And I came here as a foreigner and I'm still a foreigner, but I live in a foreign country. And, but I actually thought that it didn't matter. Um, it sounds kind of cool when I say that, but I actually live that, um, not philosophy, but like my thinking that like, it doesn't matter where you live because I'm, I'm me and I felt comfortable here and this is how I, how I am. Right. But when I, around like 30 years old, I think I was, you know, living in the United States for eight years or so, 10 years or so then. And I was so sure who I was anymore. Like, am I Japanese or am I American? I'm an Americanized foreigner, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't speak like Japanese. I don't think like Japanese anymore. When I go back to Japan, it's almost like I am like a, I'm like a foreigner over there. So who am I? I don't, I don't know if I'm a Japanese or, or what am I, right? So I was trying to find my identity as am I Japanese or American, uh, Americanized Japanese or uh, I didn't know. So how can I identify me? And I actually thought that like that thinking got me really stuck in who I was and what I want to do in my life. It was so weird. But anyway, so when I noticed uh, before that, I think that was afterwards. So 
when I decided to leave my corporate job as a like applications developer, I was doing computers for 14 years before I became a life coach and relationship coach. Mm-hmm. I uh, I decided to just leave the work and then become a life coach, and afterwards, and I thought, hey, maybe I don't have to identify myself as Japanese or something like um, like should I be American or should I be Japanese? Like, but it, this is who I am. This is like, this is who I am. <laughs> It doesn't matter what kind of label I put in, put put on on my on myself. So I just have to relax. I don't have to, you know, put label like di- dictate who I dictate who I am. I just be me then, and everything kind of start moving. I think as a coach and as entrepreneur afterwards, because you know when I was stuck in this label thing as I work for blah blah company or I am Japanese but I live in United States or things like that like I put label on myself but after that as an entrepreneur it's like oh I don't have to do that then I don't have to put the label on myself and I can do whatever I want and then that freed me in a way to become becoming I think I'm still becoming the you know entrepreneurs and as a coach uh, and it became a coach that I love what what I do Um, I'm a dating love and relationship coach and I came to this place now that's the answer your question (laughs) it does and it brings up other questions which is what this is all about, you know, because what I hear, and tell me if I misheard, is that really you almost started question. You had to start questioning who you were on a certain level, and that's what led you into your current path, where you sound like you're very happy being an entrepreneur, being a coach, and particularly being a relationship coach. So, how did that whole transformation? You know, how did that? how did that transformation inform what you're doing now? So you started questioning yourself. You decided you were going to become a coach. How did you decide you were going to become a coach? So I became a relationship, uh, love and relationship coach. It's because I had difficulty finding my husband. I wanted to have a relationship. I wanted to have an emotional connection with someone and I didn't know how to do it. And through that journey, I learned so much about myself. I thought it was like a dating and relationship and love and things like that. I thought I was supposed to know all those things already because those things that you don't get taught, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody teaches you how to do it or what it is or anything like that. You just have to figure out yourself. And I didn't have any resource to figure out what it was. So I have to kind of scramble and so you ha- I had to struggle and I have to figure out myself and I had to do it on my own. And it was so difficult. It's because I had to, I didn't have any resource. 
um, I came from a different country, I came from Japan, which I don't think emotional connection is so, it's not so focused on. And, well, that's what I felt. Maybe some other Japanese people would feel a different way, but maybe that's how I raised, how I was raised、mm-hmm. in my family. And emotional connection was not there.、Um, and I didn't know how to do any of that. And I struggled. And it's because of that, I think maybe that identity crisis maybe came from that. That would be my source, maybe. And, and that was a, always a mystery to me. Being, being in a relationship is a love relationship, right?、Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at my, my, my parents, and I'm looking at my sisters. My sister and then my brother in law. And sometimes I see couples dynamic in my co workers, couples dynamics in my husband's you know, parents or you know, uncles, right? And any other couple that I see. That was a really a mystery because every couple are different and everybody, every couple has their own language. And They think that you, you think that you know them, right, as a couple, but you don't. Those couples have their own language, have their own world, and that world is only two of them in it. And it was very mysterious to me. It was just mystery. And still, it just amazes me sometimes. It's just everybody's different. And you think that you figured it out, but you don't. Because all people, all couples have different t a k e on relationship and how they work together. And so from the childhood to now, childhood, looking at my parents, right? And they don't communicate. They have this like old fashioned life, like a, a family value. My father works, my mother stayed at home. She cooks, cleans, raises children. They have seven children、mm. on the seventh. And I don't see their loving towards one another. I, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see them having a conversation at home. And still, they had seven children. And I don't know what it was. And when I'm growing up, I thought that was how it, it was, right? Like marriage is like that.、Mm-hmm. Mom and dad have children. He has his own thing. She, it's like he has his own role. She has、oh, her own role as a mom and dad. And that's it. That, that's it. It's not like, you know, they have the role, they have the title off in the family. And now I became the young adult, and then, you know, in 20s and 30s, and That didn't work for me. It just, it, to me, it was just like, so what am I supposed to do? I, what, what am I supposed to do? And I figured it out, oh, and it's coming from that、uh, identity thing, right? Oh, so this means that I have to find my own pattern or my own you know, language 
to find that guy. And that's the only way. It's like you have to know there's so many information out there about dating and relationship. This is what you should do. This is what you can do in this situation and all that kind of stuff, right? And you have to get those info and you can learn about the info. But that's just a reference. You really have to know what you want and you have to know what you want to have in life. And that and that or that authenticity and being true to yourself and being honest with yourself, that's the only way to find the guy or find that relationship and find that life that you want to have. And so not about the culture that you grew up in, not about the parents that you, you raised you, that they raised you or uh, what nationality, nationality you have, uh, what kind of relationship you see on TV, what kind of relationship you see in your friends and uncle and, you know, your, your sisters, it doesn't matter. You can see it, but that's not what you're going to have. You're going to create your own life with this perfect match. And to have that, you have to be authentic and you have to be true to yourself. And you just have to know who you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you are or whatever. Well, I, I heard a couple of things that make me want to ask you some questions. Okay, ask me them, questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them is because... It sounded, if I and I hope I'm hearing you correctly, it sounded like maybe it was after being out in the professional world and, and kind of hanging out with your friends here in the States that you were going, wait, this is different from what I saw growing up. And I don't know, I don't know how this jibes with what I saw growing up. So, and and it just makes me wonder if, what you saw were some fundamental differences from that you could say maybe, and, you know, we don't want to go with complete general generalizations, mm-hmm. but there are cultural differences from country to country. Yeah. So maybe here in the U.S., our public displays of affection and all that stuff was a little bit foreign to you, and you're like, oh, what's going on here with these people? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like hugging and kissing on each other and, you know, all this out in public. And if I if I understand correctly, in many of the Asian countries, folks are more reserved. In- right. Yes? It's like, it's fundamentalist different. Like, my belief about marriage is completely destroyed, right? <laughs> Because not, not, not just because of that public, you know, display of affection, only, not only that, it's that it's because everything's so different. And I had to see my belief again differently and myself differently. And it's like, it was like, it's almost like a huge permission that you can actually do whatever you want too. but you can choose whatever you want to do because there's so many options so many options out there it's not like you have to be this way and you have to be that way but there are so many options look at your look at your surroundings you can be who whoever you want to be and that i think is like you know the beginning of the journey to find yourself authentic 
I think, because you're raised in a certain way or in the, in the environment, right, or community and the country, and you think that this is who you are, but when you go outside of that, everything goes in that, you know, somewhere. It's like just totally, like, you're, you're mind-blowing. <laughs> it's already like, oh, wow, this is not, this is not what I know at all. So are you saying that there are people who live this way and I live this way and we're all human beings, so I can change my mind too? It's almost like that too. It's like I can change my option. I can change my life. I can change how I think. And it's okay. It was like it's a huge shift. Well, I'm actually saying this because I noticed that now back then I don't know anything about that <laughs> right yeah I can just come back I just look back and think back and maybe that's what happened and another thing because we were talking about language before a little bit well and that's what I was going to ask you about because you yeah. mentioned language yes um so when you and I were talking offline we talked about languages influencing the way you think and not really realizing that until you study another language in depth and really learn how to speak it and you find yourself thinking differently because of the way the words are used and Mm -hmm. the way that the words form sentences but there's also isn't there also what you might call language of love like everybody needs I've heard that phrase and I, I understood it to mean about us needing different things and and from a, a love perspective and mm-hmm. we also express our love in different ways. Yeah. Like I say all the time, one of the ways that I express my love is I like to cook mm-hmm. for my family. It's, nice. it's a way of expressing my love for them that I want them to be healthy and I, I prepare this food for them to nourish them and so forth. That's one of the, the, my outward expressions of love. How does language, how does that language play come into play in terms of your understanding of love from one culture to another maybe coming from sure. Japanese culture to American culture and then also that ex- to to understand how you express your love and how you like to receive love right so it's interesting because I don't in Japanese culture in general I don't want to generalize but I think close unquote younger generation is different but where when I was growing up well my parents don't didn't tell me they love me or I love like I didn't tell them I love them like that's not what we do it's like how you actually have to sense it sense the love which is very difficult to do Mm -hmm. and I think that's how Japanese communicate it's like sensing like you know reading between the lines or you have to sense the love by seeing the actions that they take mm-hmm. they will do something for you just like cooking for example right? right but we don't express with words and that is a little bit difficult I think lots of parents don't express the love that way and maybe other cultures are like that too it's because, ah, oh, you know, you know, because <laughs> you're supposed to know that. It's like, well, right. no, it's really important to actually express with words how you feel. And 
that's what I learned in English. You really have to express everything. If you want to have an opinion, you have to articulate it.、Mm-hmm. You can't just expect them to understand, right? So it's the same thing as like in going to the meeting or something like in business situation too. But in love, in relationship, you have to express in a correct way, in loving way, so that you will create that connection by articulating what you feel and then feeling. Connecting with feeling, and so it's like not just you have to feel how I feel about you, <laughs> but you express what you feel with words, and that's learn that that's very important because that's how you you actually understand, and they will know how you feel about them. And English has just taught me that too. I, I just didn't want to kind of, you know, have this interview about language, but that's what I know about creating a relationship in a different perspective. Well, but the language definitely influences the way you think initially, and、definitely. I think that's. I mean, but even here in the United States, you know, we have so many different people from so many different backgrounds, so many different cultures. And even then, there's male versus female way of communicating. Yeah, right. So like,、mm-hmm. I grew up this whole "I love you" business. That was not a, a prevalent part of my growing up either. It was. It wasn't that you, you know, never heard it, but it just wasn't one of those things that people went around saying.、Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into my first what I would call grown-up relationship, where there、right. was a lot of expression of love, not just verbally, but also with hugs and、mm-hmm. kisses,、yeah. and and I'm not saying like you know sexy kisses. I'm just like regular. Oh, let me come and give you a hug and a kiss, and I'm like,、yeah. why are you touching me? I don't know you like that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when I went to college, you know, all of a sudden I went to a women's college. And you know, on a women's college campus, everybody hugs each other, and all this、mm. very—at least at where I went to school. Right. Shout out to Agnes Scott College in in scenic Decatur, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta.、Um, but I mean, it's it's a much more expressive environment than I was used to, and I credit going to that school with teaching me how to accept. Love in a certain, in a different way、mm. than w- when I grew up, you know. So that's why I think this discussion is important. I mean, it's not just about the words; it's also、yeah. about the different ways that、For、love、sure. is expressed. Yeah. So, what kinds of things do you find that? Because you work primarily with professional women,、mm-hmm. and right.、Yeah. what kinds of challenges do you find that they're running into? You know, with dating, and is this? The same with younger women, like in their twenties, as it is for in their thirties, in their forties, in their fifties. What kinds of challenges are you finding that women are having? So we are talking about the emotional connections and, and receiving and giving affection, right?、Mm-hmm. I think who I work with is usually around forty years old,、uh, professional woman. They have been in Korea for over ten years, and they know what they're doing at work. They're they're You know, they're in control.、Uh, they're confident in the board、uh, boardroom, meeting room, and they're good with that. Like they're 
commanding, you know, attention and all that, right? But outside of, so they know how to control because that's how you learn in a work environment, right? You have to control the emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that they cut off emotions. It's almost like that. It's like, oh, and then you, you have stress, but you can't cry about it. You have to hold on to it. You know, you just have to hold back. Mm-hmm. And if you practice that for a long enough time, you don't feel anything anymore. You don't know how to connect with people anymore because all you do is control your emotions. And then even though you're upset, you're not supposed to upset. You're not, you're not supposed to be upset. Um, you're stressed out, but you're not. Well, it doesn't matter. You have to keep going. So mm-hmm. you have to numb yourself and have to keep going. And then you have done that for a long time. And now going to the dating world. Oh, I heard that you have to be vulnerable. Oh, I have to express my feelings. How do I do that? I don't know what I'm doing. And they kind of do, but they just don't know how to control that, like burst of emotions now, right? Right. And how to control that. And then they will just blurt out something, like just, it's almost like throwing up the emotions, (laughs) all the baggage that they have in the first date, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Or it's just emotion exploding, and it's because you have to be vulnerable. So that's what they heard because they're they're learners and they're researchers, and then they do that. Mm-hmm. But they don't know when to do it or how to do it, with whom you do it. They just do it with everyone because you're on a date. And well, no, you just have to know there are rules applies also in the dating world, even though. Dating, relationship, and love is all about, right? It's like a romance and passion and and vulnerability. Something about, it's very emotional. But at the same time, if you want to find the correct person to be vulnerable vulnerable with and have a family with and have an emotional connection with, you have to use your head. So, it's a really difficult balance in the dating world because it's personal, right? But you shouldn't take it personal either sometimes, right? It's personal life, but you don't, you shouldn't take, take it personal. You have to be emotional, but you shouldn't, you know, get your emotions take over. It's a very difficult dance that you have to dance. Right. By yourself first. And you have to know you have to be in control in a way. Because you can't just leave, leave everything to the other party to lead the relationship because you're the one who's calling the shot. You have to know that you have, you're the one who is calling the shot. You're the one who decide who goes and who comes in. Then you can't just say, oh, what should I do? He's doing this and that, and he's not doing this and that. Well, the question is, do you like it? Oh, I didn't think it that way. And it's because you're the one, you have to know what you want in life, what kind of life you want to lead in, in the future. If you want to have an equal partnership, then you have, to par- you have to pick the guy who can be your equal partner. Or right, if you're looking to have a family in the future, then you have to find the guy who's, who can be a great father and a great, great husband for you. Because that's, 
you know, you gotta think about the future and you, you gotta think about life. That's like a really big picture. And you have to know you're the one who's creating it. So if you had three quick, quick things that a woman who is maybe experiencing challenges with her dating life, things that she could do, what would those three things be? Oh, okay. Uh, first, you have to know your clear vision in the future, right? So to do that, I'm going to give you some really good exercise. <laughs> okay. So get your pens out, guys. <laughs> what is your typical lazy Sunday look like with your perfect partner? There's a reason why it's a typical lazy Sunday. It's nothing special. I'm not talking about anniversary dinner or, right, like a, a trip that you're going to take, like vacation that you're going to take. No, this is just a part of regular life. You went to work Monday through Friday. You're tired. Saturday, you kind of sleep in. But Sunday, you can do whatever you want. So what do you want to do? with the perfect partner because relationship is about everything and nothing. So this is a everyday nothing situation. Mm. So that's true. Relationships are about everything and nothing. Yeah. It's not about, Oh, he took me to this like expensive restaurant and he gave me this jewelry. It's not about that. Yeah. It comes with it, <laughs> right. if you're lucky, right? But it's not about that. It's about this, like, funny quotes that he's, he always says, and he, he makes a joke, and then he, you laugh. Something, you know, silly like that. Something small and silly like that. And then you are going to create their own language between you. And then inner, what do you call that? Inner joke? What do you call that? Like inside, inside joke. joke. Inside yeah. joke. <laughs> Right? You guys create that. And then you, only you guys know. That's something and nothing. So the first thing you would say is think about what their nothing is on a certain level. Like, exactly. What would be the second thing? You got to look at your pattern. That you, I know it's hard, but you got to look at your past relationships and what was your pattern. You have to figure that out. Because you don't want to create, you want to do the same thing again. And here's the part that you have to use your brain, right? If you lead with your heart only, first, at the beginning, that was the problem that you had before. It's because you trust your instinct or whatever that you call or gut feeling or whatever. If you rely on that only, that caused the problem later on. And you're not longer, you're no longer in that relationship. If you're repeating the same pattern, you're going to have the same thing again. And Hoping 
to be different, even though you start the same, it's not going to happen like that. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be different. So you have to do something different from the beginning. Pick someone different. To do that, you have to know the pattern. So the second thing is to understand your patterns. And then the yep. third tip that you would give. So, oh, you go on dates. <laughs> Take that sounds easy. That sounds easy. But... I know. It sounds, sounds really simple, right? Mm-hmm. What, what I'm trying to say is that you have to apply what you know in the real world. Because all, the first one and the second one is all theory. It's on your head, right? Mm-hmm. But... To get what you want, you have to take action in the real world. You gotta apply what you learn in the real world. You gotta learn from the mistake. And go back to the theory again. Oh, maybe that vision was not clear enough. Let's think about that again. Then you think about the pattern. Maybe you missed something, right? And you go out on a date. Meaning, be in the real world. Be in the real world. And that also means connecting in the real world, not having yeah. your phones out on the table while you're getting your <laughs> conversation on and really paying attention. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that you're really connecting and really communicating. Yeah. And it's not just connecting with that person across your table, but connecting with yourself. Like, get to, getting to know yourself. What I learned when I was, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was dating, I was getting to know me. And that was tough for me. <laughs> it, you know, it's like you just, it's because being vulnerable and then emotionally open, that was difficult, most difficult thing I have ever done. I had ever been, you know, I've done in my life. So, that kind of had to make me uh, make me face myself too, because that was scary. But that's the only way to have this connection, deeper connection with anyone. And if you want to have a deeper connection with someone, you just have to take the risk of being hurt. Well, and that's what life is all about, right? trying trying and trying again and then eventually we get it right yeah yeah all right i hope you guys got all the notes on that (laughs) hiroko where can people connect with you can they get with you on social media where can they find you you can find me at trueyourelationship.com did I say it right? TrueYouRelationship.com. And you can find uh, me in Instagram. You can find me my name, by my name, Hiroko Ideguchi. Or you can type in TrueYouRelationship. Oh, and I'm going to spell your name. Okay, so that's H-I-R-O-K-O. And the last name is I-D-E. G-U-C-H-I. 
so they can find you by your first name and your last name on Instagram, or they can type in true you relationship and they'll find you. Yes? yes, correct. Awesome. 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 Hiroko, thank you so much for being on. Thank Somewhere you so me. much. <laughs> so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break for an announcement and then we'll be back for a chat with Julia Black in our segment, True Talk. And we are back with Julia Black and True Talk. Welcome, Julia. Thank you. So uh, you and I were talking offline a little bit about this topic of communication, different styles of communication, and how important that is as it pertains to our relationships. And I wanted to get some of your thoughts on that. You know, people talk about, for example, the five love languages. Um, what are the five love languages? And give me some thoughts on um, what those look like to people. Okay, so the five love languages are based on a book by Gary Chapman called Five Love Languages. Um, and basically, they are words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, and acts of service. And what these are essentially is how you as a person feel like you are loved and how you express your love to other people. So if we're talking about words of affirmation, people who um, need words of affirmation or express their love that way, and I give, you know, there's a lot of encouragement, there's a lot of kind of affirmations and, and saying, oh my gosh, you're doing great, you need to keep going with what you're doing, where you listen actively to things that they're saying, um, and you try to encourage them with words. Um, physical touch is just that. Some people need a lot more kind of touchy-feely stuff, whether that's hugs or like actual pats on the back. Um, and in, in um, kind of romantic relationships, that is some that, you know, that you're, you're dealing with making love there. You're dealing with lots of cuddles. You're dealing with that kind of a thing. Um, receiving gifts is just that. Receiving and receiving gifts and getting gifts is when you feel the most loved. Um, quality time is if you want to spend a lot of just time with somebody um, doing anything. That can be watching TV or doing a Netflix and chill or going on a hike or doing something. As long as there is quality time, that's when you feel like you are most connected with someone and the last one is acts of service and that is when you fit are actually doing something is how you give your love to somebody whether that is you know in a in a romantic kind of partnership that can be something like cleaning the house for their birthday or cooking dinner for them or um you know doing something that you know would make them feel better, but they have no time to do um, stuff like that. Well, and what I get from this, these are very, to me, broad categories, like, you know, acts, acts of service, I guess. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. would probably be a big one for me, just in relationships in general, mm -hmm. right? You know, you want to help people out or like, I like to cook. I, I used to tell my kids all the time, I can, I, that's one of the ways I show love for them is by making sure that they have healthy food that I cook for them as mm -hmm. opposed to just letting them eat fast food or out in the street all the time. So this goes beyond just 
I don't want to say just love relationships, but it goes beyond romantic relationships, right? It has goes into all of our communication with other people to some extent, yes? Yeah, it does. And actually, I've had this conversation with some friends of mine. One of my friends flat out asked, we, you know, there's a, there's a group of three of us, and she flat out asked us. She, she, did a, she did a group text, and she said, okay, what is your love language? I want to make sure that we're, that we're communicating correctly. <laughs> and I thought it was really sweet of her. <laughs> um, so there, you know, she's like, I think I can guess on what it is for each of you, but I want to make sure. Um, and sometimes it's different in relationships, right? So in, mm-hmm. in, in a friendship relationship than it would be in a um in a partnership or romantic relationship like for me I need a lot of in in a romantic relationship I need a lot of touch so I want to be you know holding my husband's hand or I want to have my feet on his legs or I want to do something like that when we're together but with my friends that's not necessarily the case so with my friends it's mostly quality time so there's a lot of kind of different things that will probably translate depending on what what the relationship is and it could evolve over time right presumably because i i think about when i was in my first marriage i did not come from a huggy kissy kind of family at all Mm -hmm. but my ex-husband was a big you know like gotta gotta be holding your hand all the time kind of dude (laughs) you're walking through the mall he's got to hold your hand i'm like dude this is creepy you know I thought <laughs> I remember we were dating thinking oh this is a little weird oh why do you, why are you touching me all the time man <laughs> over time I've gotten to where you know I got into where that was cool but it you know it took a lot of exposure to that mm-hmm. type of just kind of wandering around touching each other kind of thing that I wasn't used to growing up you know to get into mm-hmm. a point where I was like oh okay the the just random huggies and kissies isn't bad, right? Right, and I think part of it is, you know, to go along with that, I think part of it is just making sure that you, with the exposure of what that love language is, you understand the importance of it. So you can have the one, you can have the love language that you communicate most with and that others use to communicate with you, but that doesn't mean that you don't see the benefits of the other love languages or that you don't appreciate, you know, what, what each of those love languages can communicate to somebody else. Well, and I would think that also means like, I'm sure that um, to be fair to my ex, he had to uh, be patient with me as (laughs) I learned uh, about his style of communicating love. I mean, we have to learn to be patient with one another, right? And kind of give each other a shot. Like maybe if you're walking through the mall and your sweetie doesn't want to hold your hand, it's not a snub against you. It's just something that maybe they're not accustomed to or not comfortable with. Right. Yeah. And I think, but I, but I think with any relationship, even if you talk about these love languages, I think there has to be communication about what's okay. You know, what, what, what each person is comfortable with. So if you weren't comfortable walking walking through the mall holding their hand, then then the part then your partner needs to needs to understand that and like you said be patient, but also find other ways that that he or she can express their feelings for you in a way that you think is okay too. Right? Is that in a relationship you 
want the other person to express their love for you in a way that you need, not in a way that they need. Because, like, particularly in romantic relationships, everything is about looking. I, I, I think the best relationships, and I might be wrong, but the best relationships that I think are the strongest are the ones where the, the partners are constantly looking out for and trying to express their love to the other partner in a way that they understand. Well, and I think there's a lot to that because there are also cues that people give you about just the way they communicate in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like I tend to be extremely verbal. And for example, my son is not extremely verbal right off the bat. He will be, you know, over time, but immediately he's not. And I distinctly recall, and this is obviously not a romantic relationship, but I think the same rules apply in a lot of ways. I distinctly recall us having a serious communication issue at one point where I had to sit down and look at what's going on, why are we having trouble? And I realized when I hit him with all the words, which he's not a big words person in that same way, his eyes would glaze over. You know what I mean? He's like, you could just see, you know, like a deer caught in headlights Mm -hmm. or something like that going on. And I had to realize, oh, I'm throwing a lot of words at him all at one time. Mm -hmm. And we already know the research, I think, said that women speak twice as many words as men in a given conversation. Right. Something like that. that. Yeah. Something like that. So I'm like, maybe I should slow my roll a little bit, uh, you know, back up off the words and give him, you know, less at one time. And that just that little switch improved our communication tremendously. You know what I mean? So some of it is just us being observant of the other person, right? Kind of learning how the other person communicates. Well, yeah. And that, and that has to do with nonverbal communication as well. I think in any relationship, I mean, and and parents do this all the time. I can see it all the time with parents, particularly with, with infants and toddlers who don't have a lot of language yet. You're constantly looking for um, cues from the child about what they need, even though that they can't actively speak what they need. And as we, as children get older, we assume that children and adults know how to communicate what their needs are. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, sometimes they don't understand how to do that. And so, or, or, or we just make assumptions um, without really trying to understand where they're at. So like, you know, if I, I I pay close attention because I because I have a tendency to speak a lot, so I pay close attention to how people react to it. And when I was a teacher, I paid very close attention. Right when their eyes started to glaze over, I tried to kind of throw in, you know, random lines that would make them go, "Wait, what? Did she? What? Did she that? Was that something? You know?" Or I had teach I had plenty of teachers that had. I don't know if they even still have these, but in the 90s, I went to high school in the 90s, and you remember the koosh balls? Those yeah. little, like, had, like, all these little, like, cut-off rubber bands. Mm-hmm. So there, every time some of us were, there was one teacher I had, every time we started to look like we were uh, eyes glazed over, he'd grab a koosh ball and throw it at someone and ask a question. Yeah. You know, okay. you kind of have to <laughs> pay attention to verb- to nonverbal cues, I think, is is as important to any kind of communication as, as actually speaking. 
So what do you think are the, like if someone needed to kind of try and figure out how, how should I be communicating with uh, my girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, what have you, um, what should they be looking for in terms of figuring out what is their partner's love language? I think, look, I mean, there, there are a couple of things. You could do like what my friend did and just flat out ask. Um, if they're not familiar with the love languages, then they may not be able to, to give you an answer right away. Um, with my husband, I noticed that he was actually very good at listening and jumping to what was eventually going to be the question. So, for example, we were moving. When he and I were dating, we were moving. And I had cleaned it because I'm kind of a weird cleaner. So I cleaned everything before we moved. And I was standing on the stairs and I could see the top of the refrigerator kind of in my eyesight. And I realized I hadn't cleaned the top of it. And I just kind of said out loud, oh, I forgot to clean the top of the refrigerator. And my husband grabbed, he grabbed a rag and he just cleaned it off real quick. <laughs> it was like, oh, I wasn't asking you to do that, but thank you. <laughs> You know, so that to me was a very clear indication that acts of service are a thing for him. Right, right. Um, you know, or if they are, if they like giving you gifts, if they like finding kind of creative things that they think that you're going to like and do it for no reason, then chances are that's how they like to express their love. So just pay close attention and you can grab um, Gary Chapman's book. If you're not a reader, you can do um, a quick Google search. Um, even on images, like Google Images, pulls up all of these really great um, graphics that life coaches and other people have put together that talk about kind of signs of what each one is. And then you can just kind of pay attention and figure it out. Very cool. Well, Julia, thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thanks for having me. I like being here. So that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys tune into the show on February 15th, 2019, when my guest will be retired Maryland State Senator Barbara Robinson. You can find us every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle podcast. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.